Well, good morning, City Hills. We're so glad that you guys are with us. Uh, if you've been missing us the last couple weeks and maybe you've been wondering what's going on, um, my father actually passed away a couple weeks ago, completely unexpected. And uh, I had the message completely recorded before um, I received the phone call. And as I sat down to edit it is, is when I received the phone call from my father is uh, the last time I'd get to talk with him. And to be honest with you, the last couple weeks have obviously been brutal in so many different ways. But knowing the message that I preached moments before I lost my father, it, w it took me a little bit of time to be ready to hear the words that I spoke that morning. And today's message is that God never said that good people get what they deserve. And my father was absolutely an incredible and a good person. And our family is an incredible family. And a lot of times when we face trouble, when we face situations, it's easy for us to turn to God and go, wait a minute, I thought I would get what I deserve because I did good, so I should get good. And the message that we're gonna hear today, the message that I'm literally preaching to myself is that the good that we think we deserve, God actually has something greater for us. So today, as you, you join in with us, I'd encourage you to listen with an open heart to understand that even in our most trying of situations, God's faithfulness, God's grace, and God's goodness is exactly what we can hold on to, even when we feel like we maybe deserve a little bit better. I hope you enjoy the message this morning, and we hang on together and believe that God is going to speak to us. We'll see you soon. The year was 2003. I was finishing up high school. I was on a date with my girlfriend at the time with some friends hanging out at an ice cream shop. And somewhere, someone looked at their phone and said, oh man, it's almost 1 a.m. And I started to panic on the inside because I knew my curfew was midnight. I'm already an hour over and I've got a 35 minute drive home. It's over. Like the, I am not getting out of the house for like two months after this. So I hop in my car and for whatever reason, I thought to myself, if I could just get home faster, then everything will be a little bit better. So I did what was probably one of the dumbest things in my life. I, I was driving home on the freeway well over 100 miles an hour. Let's just say that. And about halfway there, the worst possible thing could happen in my mind. I saw the blue flashing lights behind me and I just knew this is over. As those lights were flashing behind me, what was flashing before my eyes was my days living in jail because I was going 40, 50 miles over the speed limit. And I knew that meant jail time. I knew that meant huge tickets. I, that, that was like, your license is revoked. This is horrible. And as a young man, I thought this is the worst possible thing that could happen to me. So I made some pretty poor choices after that. So I pulled to the side of the road and in my panic and in my freak out, as soon as the car stops, I fling the door open. I just throw my hands up in the air and I start yelling to the police officer my story of why I was speeding and why I was late. And all I could see was this blinding light shining at me, but I'm sure that wasn't the only thing pointed at me in the moment as I jump out of my car as soon as the wheels stop. And finally, they calm me down. They get me to sit down on the ground. 
And the police officer comes over and he goes, son, what are you doing? And I explained to him what was happening. And he said, don't you understand that getting home alive and getting in trouble is significantly better than dying on the side of the road because you crash? Like, what are you thinking? So he gets my license and, and registration and all that. And he, he goes to the car. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, I can't believe this is how it ends. Like Before I even get started in life, this is how it ends. I am ruined. And he comes back and he hands me my paperwork. And he says, I'm letting you go. And I was like, what? He said, listen, I've got a son your age. You all do dumb things. We all do dumb things. But I need you to promise me that you're not going to do something that stupid on the way home. Take your punishment. Be alive so that your mother can see you tomorrow morning. And he let me go. And for those of you who are judging in this moment going, I wish I had that kind of luck. I promise you, I paid for every ticket from that moment on. And there were unfortunately a lot of those in my driving career. It was this unbelievable moment where I deserved the worst possible outcome. And I received the best one. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about today. Because for many of us, we believe that God says good people get what they deserve. Good people get what they deserve. And you might be thinking, well, you're a good kid. That's why he let you off the hook. And, and that's totally fine. But if you think about your life since 2003, if I think about my life since 2003, if we are good people and we do good things and we have good morals and, and we have good values and, and we give money to good causes and, and overall we feel like we're good people, then why does it feel like life so many times is a struggle? Like the good doesn't always feel like it outweighs the struggle in our lives. And when to make matters worse, we all have those friends who they have they do bad business deals on a regular basis. We all have that friend who like sleeps with everyone in our hometown. We have that family member who's just an absolute jerk to everyone they come in contact with. And many times those people have more money, more opportunities, better vacations. Their Instagram looks like they're in Hollywood somewhere. It's like I don't understand. God, why does Good things happen to bad people. And a better question is, God, why does bad things happen to good people? And what happens is you and I, we struggle with this internally. We may not always say it out loud, but we struggle with, wait, wait, why did that good person have to face that situation when the bad person who deserved bad things to happen to him, they, they didn't get it. Good should equal good and bad should equal bad. We, we have like whole phrases built around this, right? It's phrases like what goes around comes around. Come on, say it out loud with me as we go through this. I know you're sitting in your living room, but let's, let's play a game together. Another one, your past will come back to haunt you. Exactly. The third one, you make your bed, you gotta lay in it. We, we have this mentality that good should equal good and bad should equal bad. And we feel like, well, God surely has said this along the way. But the reality is when we look at Jesus's time on earth, 
there was a lot of moments where he was getting onto or reprimanding people who were quote unquote good, and he was defending and protecting the people who were bad. And we see this incredible story that you're probably familiar with, but if you're new to the Bible, it's this amazing story of grace, and it's found in John 8. And it's this story about a woman caught in adultery. Let's check it out, starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and he taught them. And as he was speaking, in the middle of his speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act of, I mean, we can kind of figure out what that means, right? They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, this is an important verse right here, verse six. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. There's a couple of things that I want you to notice here. You see, they waited for Jesus to have a crowd. They wanted to make sure that they could create a scene. They could have waited. They could have taken this woman and put her in like, I don't know, church jail or whatever they had at the time. Like wait till Jesus was done in the temple and come and met him after and, and said, Jesus, this is what happened. What do you have to say about it? No, 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 no. They were trying to create a scene. And the second part of this is that according to the law, they were supposed to bring the man and the woman. I don't know if you noticed this, but uh, it was only the woman there. Where's the dude, right? Like what happened to the guy in this situation? Was it a friend of theirs? Were they trying to protect him? Were they just trying to get this woman of, uh, just, was there a special agenda against her? Like if you're trying to uphold the law, why didn't you do the whole thing? And the other part of it was that they were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to use what he says to prove how right they were in some other areas. Let's see how it closes out. Verse seven, they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and he says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Good call, Jesus. Verse eight, then he stooped down again and he wrote in the dust. We don't know what he's writing there. Maybe he's writing their sins. Maybe he's writing the names of people in their life that they've done things with or against. Or We don't know what he's writing here. Verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and he said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. This is, this is pretty radical. Like, just think about it. Jesus exposes the men whose jobs were to be holy. Their jobs were to uphold the law. He exposes them as frauds. He exposes their just insincere motives. And he forgives the woman caught in 
adultery. Now, I don't know if they have like CSI Pharisee edition and they like kicked down the door like during the Barry White music or what happened here, but they caught this woman. There was no confusion. It wasn't a rumor. It was caught. And Jesus goes, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Jesus brought the heat against those who were quote unquote good. And he forgave the one who was caught in this clear sin. And some important things that we have to see in this, because when we're thinking about our life as good people, it should get what they deserve. There's some important things we need to understand about it. And the first one is this, good people often struggle with entitlement. Good people often struggle with thinking, I deserve this. I deserve more. You see, the Pharisees, they live with this like gotcha mentality. They were just waiting for someone to do something outside of their rules, outside of their law. In the moment it happened, I got you. We don't know anything about that, right? Spend five minutes in Instagram comments and you will find our whole culture is about gotcha. They've got a whole section in their notes on their iPhone that they're just waiting for someone to say one thing so they can drop the facts on them, drop the bomb of information. I got you. You see, the Pharisees, they were the, the epitome of the cancel culture. Don't get me started on the cancel culture. I'm, I'm trying to see if the Lord wants me to do a couple weeks series on cancel culture because it there's so much to say about it, but the Pharisees were the definition of cancel culture. They didn't want to just cancel her, her reputation. They wanted to cancel her life. They were saying, Jesus, according to the rules, she needs to die. We should stone her to death. The Pharisees were living with this mentality of being the judge. And what happens in our life is when we, when we try to take on that role of being the judge, our perspective shrinks. Our perspective on what's really going on shrinks. These, these guys, they were upholding the law, but they didn't even bring the dude. They didn't even fulfill their own rules. They, they just halfway did what they were trying to do in order to prove that they were right. And somewhere along the way, us Jesus followers, we miss the boat. We, we forget that when we accepted Jesus as our Lord, as the leader of our life, that we surrendered our own agenda and we picked up his. We surrendered our own drive and our own motives and we surrendered those things to go, Jesus, it's not about me anymore, it's about you. And somewhere along the way, you and I as Jesus followers, we forget that. We forget that our lives are no longer about us. It's no longer about us getting good. It's no longer about us getting the shine. It's no longer us getting the bigger and better reputation. It's about the glory in the name of Jesus. But we forget that in our lives. And what we, we fail to realize sometimes is that when we start this relationship with Jesus, those of you who maybe you haven't made that decision or you, you just recently made that decision, you're a little confused because life got harder, right? Jesus is present in your life. You feel God's presence in your life, but life gets harder because we're living counter culturally. We're living in a way that, that we're not focused on ourselves, we're focused on him. We're doing things where your friends and your families are going, 
Why are you doing that? No one else is doing that. Why are you trying to live that way? What are you doing? And even within our own selves, it's so easy for us to be selfish and driven by our own agendas. But we fail to realize that when we begin this relationship with Jesus, we're not entitled to this perfect life. We got the greatest gift of all in him. It leads us to the second point that you and I, many times we pursue fair, but we forget our faults. We pursue fair. Well, God, this just isn't fair. They're a bad person, so they should get bad things. I'm a good person, so I should get good things. The Pharisees fail to recognize in their own life as good people. They had forgotten about their faults. So Jesus goes, cool, listen, let's uphold the law. Let's do this thing. I'm, I'm down. The first one without sin, throw the stone. Oh, uh, well, uh, I, I forgot about it. And, and that's why I think Jesus was probably writing down some things with his finger in the sand about just remember you ain't perfect. And it's this unbelievable thing that we have to understand because we genuinely believe that we're good people. We're good people. We're not, we're not bad people. But just because you're well-behaved, it doesn't make you a good person. Just because I'm well-behaved doesn't make me a good person, right? We all know that bad kid in class that can be good while the principal's in there. And we're all looking at him like, you know, just two seconds ago, you slapped that kid in the back of the head. And now you're acting like, oh, I never did anything wrong, right? We think because we behave good that all of a sudden it changes what we deserve in our lives. You see, the Pharisees, they, they were so caught up in the rules. They were so caught up in being right, but their hearts were hardened. And for some of you, man, I feel for you. Those, those of you that you're, you're still trying to figure out this journey, you're, you're trying to figure out whether or not you want to put your trust in Jesus, but you deal with church people and you've dealt with that Christian who just, they throw the rules in your face. They throw their morals in, their, in your face. They, they throw all of these things in your face and they don't do it in love. They do it in anger. And then you see them do something else and you're like, man, you're a hypocrite. What are you doing? I can't trust that kind of God. And let me tell you, that's not who Jesus is. Jesus spent a lot of his time on earth looking at the people who were quote unquote religious, quote unquote in a relationship with God. And he's going, your hearts are so far from the heart of God because Jesus was about the truth, but he did it in love. He was full of grace and full of truth. It was both. And for those of you who have experienced Christians who are not full of any grace, it's just all truth and they're, they're just on top of you and you're like, man, that, that doesn't sound like anything that I want to be a part of. I apologize because Jesus is about you discovering the truth that, that is found in him, but he wants you to feel the overwhelming weight of his love. The truth is that when you and I pursue fair, we're missing the point because fairness ended at the cross. Those of us who believe that Jesus died on the cross, that he rose from the dead, that he, he, was, he canceled our sin and our debt, like that was unbelievably unfair. He took a punishment he didn't deserve. 
So when you and I are pursuing fairness, we forget the fact that what we deserve is death and separation from God for all of eternity. What we deserve for our sin, for our brokenness, for our inabilities, for our struggles, for our our just our brokenness within us, what we deserve is death and we don't get it. So it's funny to to God that we would even consider fairness because he's like, don't you remember like what Jesus did for you on the cross? What do you mean life isn't fair? What do you mean isn't fair that you have this struggle and they don't have it? Do you really want fair? Like, are you sure you want fairness? (laughs) It's important for us to understand that even if we feel like we're a good person, if we pursue fairness, we forget our faults. None of us are perfect. And the last thing that we forget is that we forget we received grace, not mercy. You see, mercy is not getting what we deserve. It's not getting the bad that we deserve. Grace is getting the good, the blessings, the favor that we absolutely did not deserve. Mercy is the cop letting me off the hook. That's mercy. Grace would be him going, hey, listen, not only are you off the hook here, but anytime you ever get a ticket, I'll take care of it. Like, you, I got you. Like, here, you're, okay? Like, you you mess up, I've got you. That would be overwhelming. Well, we have to understand in our life that even if the only thing that God did in our life was save us from eternal separation from Him, if that's the only thing that He did, that would still be scandalous, amazing grace. But you and I, we we want more, we want the good, we want the blessings, and we don't recognize that God didn't just give us mercy, he gave us overwhelming grace. We have to recognize in our life that we've been given so much more than we could ever imagine. Psalm 103, starting in verse 10, says it this way, he does not punish us for all of our sins, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve, For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of heaven above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from the east is from the west. Ephesians 2 verse 8, I love this. For it was only through the wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we could ever do could earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. I love this verse 9. So no one will ever be able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. Guys, the truth is what we deserve is an angry God. What we receive is a God of love and grace. What we deserve is an angry God. Listen, even for those of us who are Jesus followers, If we did to our wives, to our husbands, what we do to God, the only response we would ever get is anger. But God still comes to us with love and grace, even when we turn our backs on him, even when we make mistakes, even when we willfully say, God, I'm gonna do this on my own. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna do this thing that I know it's not good for me, but I'm gonna still do it anyway. 
God approaches us with love and with grace that we absolutely do not deserve. And on top of that, it's not just mercy, it's this grace that he, he puts good in our lives. We experience good things in our life, blessings in our life. Listen to how Proverbs eleven twenty five says it. He says, those who live to bless others will have blessings heaped upon them. And the one who pours out his life to pour out blessings will be saturated with favor. I love verse 20, 27. Living your life seeking what is good for others brings untold favor. But those who wish evil for others will find it coming back on them. I love that line that when we live our lives for others, it brings untold favor. That's what Jesus was giving us an example of while he was on earth. He's like, listen, I'm Jesus and I still am going to live my life for others. What's the greatest commandment? To love God, to love people. You see, our lives can't be measured by what good we get. Our lives can't be measured about what we, we benefit out of our relationship with God. We have to recognize that what Jesus did for us on the cross, the good that came out of that, the great overwhelming grace that came out of us being forgiven for how broken we are, that is beyond enough. So when God does put blessings in our life, when God does open unique opportunities, when God does do miracles in our lives, we should be overwhelmed with gratitude. We have to be careful that we don't get this tension with God, this frustration with God, that we're not getting what we deserve. We're not getting what is fair. When God is going, you don't want fair. You, you don't want what you deserve, do you? Like, you really don't want that. Don't you remember what I've already done for you? So many times we think the favor of God, the, the blessings of God in our life is financial. Sometimes it is not that. Sometimes it's relational. Sometimes God helps you restore a broken relationship. Sometimes it's, it's in an opportunity that you have the opportunity to choose and step into something that the only way that it could have been there was because of God showing up in a mighty way in your life and, and connecting you with the right people at the right time and, and just you learning from the experiences that you've had in your life. God's blessings don't always look like what we think they are. We assume that because now we've started this relationship with Jesus, that we'll have a perfect life. God never promised us a perfect, easy life. He just promised that he would be present with us in the struggle, that he would be near to us when we're weak. He would be peace when we feel overwhelmed, he'd be hope in a world full of hopelessness. He offers us the relationship with the God of all creation. Think about that. We have access to the God of all creation and he calls us his sons and his daughters. And so when you're going through seasons like we're going through now, when you're going through seasons of struggle, we have to remind ourselves that God never said good people get what they deserve. Even good people don't want what we deserve. We want God's grace. He doesn't say good people get what they deserve. He says, my grace 
is sufficient for those who call on me. My grace is sufficient. It's everything that we need. It's more than we could ever imagine. It's more than we could ever think to earn, to deserve, to get, to strive for. His grace is overwhelming. And so I would encourage you today as we get ready to pray, don't live your life looking for fair. Don't live your life thinking, well, I'm a good person, so I deserve good. Recognize the incredible blessing that God has placed in your life and recognize his promise that he is with you through the midst of every struggle. We all know those people who have more finances than us and more houses and better vacations and what seems like this perfect life that we're judging ours against. But we've seen the emptiness on the other side of that. You've seen that. You've experienced that. You hear the stories of these people who seem to have it all, who are chasing after just something to fulfill that hole that's inside of them. And those of us who, who call Jesus the Lord of our lives, the leader of our lives, we don't have to chase something to fill that hole because the perfect God-shaped hole is now filled with our relationship with Jesus. I'd encourage those of you who haven't made that decision that this is a great time this is a perfect time for you to make that decision to go, Jesus, I don't understand it all. I don't have my mind wrapped around it all, but I believe you came to this earth. I believe you died. I believe you rose again. And I believe that you want to be the leader of my life, that you want to fill that hole that I've been searching for. It doesn't mean that life gets easy. It doesn't mean that I'm promised perfection. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden money's come raining from the sky. But what it means is that I am now complete in the area that I've been most incomplete. If that's you today, you can make that decision, a simple prayer saying, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I trust you. I believe you are who you say you are. If you make that decision today, we wanna to help you, wanna give you some resources. We wanna be a part of this journey with you. But for those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers, we have to make sure we understand the great and overwhelming blessing we have in our lives already. Recognize the grace that has been given to us and thank God that we don't get what we deserve. Come on, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you were just reminding us today that you don't promise us that everything is going to be perfect, that everything's going to be easy, that everything that we pursue is just going to work out and it's just going to happen exactly how we want it to. And God, as hard as that is to hear, I thank you for the promise that you were with us in the struggle, that you were present in our pain, that you were near to us when we were weak. And God, I thank you that you give us this grace that's above anything we could ever expect, this grace that is just overwhelming. And so Lord, I pray for those moments in our life where we do see your blessing, where we do see you giving us so much more than we deserve. I pray that you would just open our eyes and give us this deep sense of gratitude that not only did you just save us and, and rescue us from a godless eternity, 
but more than that, you're present in our everyday life and that you have incredible things that you want to do within us in ways that you're using us in ways that you want to continue to use us in the future. So God, I pray right now that even though this message may land as, as a little bit of a disappointment for some people who, who unfortunately feel like you said that everything was going to be good because we're good people. God, I pray that you would just remind them of how incredible what you did give us, how incredible that actually is. God, I pray for those of you, those who make that decision to put their life and their trust in you. Help them to know that it's the greatest decision that they've ever made, that they're putting their hope and their trust in the true God. They're putting their hope and their trust in a savior who is not only the rescuer of their soul, but is present with them every single day no matter what they're facing, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's a struggle, whether it's exciting, that in every moment you promise us your presence. God, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you that you didn't give us what we deserve. You didn't give us death and separation from you. God, I thank you that you offer us a bridge to be with you in a relationship for all of eternity, but a bridge for us to be in relationship with you while we're still here on earth. God, we love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Those words, as hard as it is to hear, it's so incredibly true. The reality is that you and I so many times we fight for fair. And I know in this season, I've heard the words, I've said the words, I've cried every tear that I possibly can cry, going, God, it's not fair. It's, it's so not fair. Like, I thought we had something else. I thought we were gonna get something different. I thought our lives were going to look different than they look right now. But the reality is that God's faithfulness to my Father is that He is in a place that he is celebrating with all of the angels and that he is in a place where he no longer feels pain. He no longer has to cry tears. And the reality for us is that the legacy of my dad and, and the legacy of this message that we're hearing is that even when we feel like we deserve better, the truth is what God gives us is exactly what we need. And when we're going through situations like our family is walking through now, God's words to us are that I love you, that I'm with you. And every time I would preach those words, I would think of the situations that I've walked through before, but none greater than the one that I'm walking through now. And to be able to hang on to that promise that in the midst of my pain, in the midst of our family being distraught, in the midst of what feels like an absolute gut punch, he's with us and he is for us. And the words that we just spoke a second ago about how we're seeking fair, or we think that we deserve better. The truth is God has given us so much more than we deserve. He's given us love and forgiveness. But I thought about it this week as I was wrapping my mind around hearing that message again. What we have to understand is the way that my dad lived and the way that we must live is that we have to live with a purpose. My dad lived with this incredible purpose that he woke up every morning trying to accomplish. And that is the grace and the blessing of God. He, he held on to his faith in Jesus in a way that few others around us have. 
And the truth is that we can lean into that, that we can find purpose. This week, I had so many people ask me, how are you so strong? And honestly, I felt so weak, I didn't have the right answers to give them because I don't feel strong. I don't feel like I can make it through this. I feel like what we just talked about a couple weeks ago, that God has given me way more than I can handle. But in the midst of that, what I can hang on to is that I have a purpose and that God has a purpose for my life. And if I have breath in these lungs, it means that I have something that I can accomplish and something that I can do. And there's lives that I can impact. And the reality for you and the reality for me is that even when we feel like life has dealt us a bad hand, we still have purpose and we still have a choice to choose the hard right over the easy wrong and to believe and trust that God is with us even when we feel like we're in the bottom of the valley. God is with us, he is for us, and he will continue to be there even through the tough times. Guys, thank you for being back with us again. Thank you for your love and your support. And we pray that as we navigate this season, that God will speak clearer to you and clearer to us than he ever has before. We cannot wait to be back with you. We love you all from the bottom of our hearts. We'll see you soon.